All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 69 of the Strength Academy podcast. Grayson here, joined by Mundo. What's up, y'all? All right, and we are solidly into well past 10 days of uh, coming up on two weeks of quarantine as of Wednesday, I'm pretty sure. Really? That, that fast already? Yeah, it's it's really flying by, man. Mm. And uh, yeah, so hopefully all you guys are managing to stay at least somewhat motivated to try to stay in shape while you're at home. Uh, I know that we're... We're struggling with that. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely struggling. I was telling Grayson like, I've I've been struggling with motivation to do schoolwork, um, do my at home workouts, like maintain a semblance of a schedule. I know some people probably have an easier time with it, but for me, this is probably the hardest part: is just having the motivation to do something every day. Like that's not required of me. Like, you know, initially I would go. I would get up, eat breakfast, go to the gym, work out, stretch, maybe work on some homework, and then go back to the gym for coaching in the evening, right? And that would consist of my day. And then in the evening after after I'm done coaching, I would eat dinner, um, usually with Adi or sometimes by myself, and then I would just relax the rest of the evening. Like I didn't want to do too much more engaging with like um, homework and stuff like that after. So like I, I usually spend a lot of my time like at the gym. So now that I'm out of that, it reminds me of a time when I was in the military and like I started to lose interest in things and things things started to slow down for me and I was it's getting harder so like I kind of fell into a little bit of depression and I, I don't want to say I'm at that point right now but like I'm getting to that point where it's just like it's not not that I don't have stuff to do I'm just not motivated to do any of it and like I'm struggling with my own internal conflicts of like why is this necessary like I was trying to do financial homework and it's like the financial industry might not even look the same after this. Like the, the, some of the concepts that I'm studying might not even apply after this hat, like this, this thing even blows over if it does at all. And so like, for me, I'm just like, am I just wasting my time trying to learn about these concepts? So like, it, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a struggle. Like I, I have to admit, like it's, for me, it's been, it's been, you know, really, really tough 10 days or how, however long we've been in this already. Like staying home is, is for not for me. Yeah, you know, it's because uh, a lot of times with schoolwork and stuff, you kind of punctuate what you have to do with kind of the reward mechanism. Where yeah. It's like, okay, well, if I finish this, I'm going to go down and then I'm going to work out. Right. And then, you know, I'll go get some lunch. And, you know, now even, you know, the idea of going to get lunch somewhere is kind of off. The yeah, table. you can't even really do that. Like, you can't go, like, I would sometimes go to a cafe and sit and do homework, right? And and maybe go to Starbucks for like an hour and read or, or work on the computer. And I can't do that anymore. Like, I, I'm basically just stuck inside 24-7, like 24-7. And, I mean, I try to do what people suggest, maybe go for a walk. But, like, I don't want to walk around Albuquerque, like... Like it's really just not it doesn't seem like a great idea, but uh, I mean we're still allowed to do that. But my my level of sanity is slowly like diminishing, creeping like away. I feel like it's just, it's just all bad news all the time. And like if you if you're trying to pay attention to the news and be be like aware of what's going on, all it is is bad. Like it's there's there's not really any good things coming out of it. Well, we'll all be getting some money. Well, I mean, that's that's, uh, that's probably that's, a good thing. That's a small silver yeah, lining. Yeah, that is a silver lining. <laughs> but, I, and, yeah, no, I know what you mean, man. Well, it's, it's and tough. it's not just that, too, because it's like we were, we were talking about, like, some people are applying for unemployment and things like that. And um, I think that 
as business owners, we're not really allowed to apply for unemployment because we are the employment employer. So like, like who's, how do we bail out the employers? Like, <laughs> like, where's that, where's that money at? Well, yeah. And I mean, I think that, you know, they're going to be, you know, if, if, if we do kind of hit some hard spots with the gym here, they're going to be doing some kind of, you know, uh, no interest loan kind of yeah. things to float things. Well, and so I luckily, think, you know, uh, all of you guys, uh, our members of the gym are continuing to support us through yeah. this tricky time and we're doing Which what we can. Which I appreciate. I've been yeah. greatly like, but, but like for the future, if, if other people start losing their jobs, like some of our, our, a lot of our clients are, you know, we've got a mix of blue collar and white collar, like industry f- folks. So like, I think that the blue collar people are, have already kind of lost their jobs and the white collar people are going to end up heading down that same direction soon. Like if they're not already working from home, then they're probably they they face the same like kind of layoffs that other people do. So like, I anticipate that in the future I might not be able to coach full time or or you know work out the way that I used to. So I'm gonna have to find an alternative way to live, you know, and and make things work right. So like for me, I've been anticipating those changes, and you know some of them are are a little bit scarier than others. But you know I know USA Weightlifting has kind of had this like relief fund so we might look into that but i think that we're gonna have to look into those types of alternatives in the future if the things don't clear up real fast so and that's why i think like i'm kind of getting into a funk just because i know that things aren't going to be the same anymore they're just really not going to be the same even if they are they they won't be it'll it'll definitely you know be at best uh, a rough rest of 2020 yeah uh, hopefully things you know bounce back fairly quickly but yeah, I think you're right. I think that that's kind of what drives a lot of uh, the kind of negative emotional states people are finding themselves yeah. in these days is that uncertainty of, oh, well, is my job going to be be-, be there at the end of this? Are we going to have to downsize? Yeah. Is, you know, are uh, you know, are we going to have to kind of change the format of the thing that we've been building for right. so long? And you know, those kind of up in the air questions that we can't possibly know the answers to now. Uh, I think the fact that those are all kind of looming and don't have a clear resolution in sight is kind of, it's the uncertainty, I think. It's I think, the uncertainty yeah. that really bothers me. And it's not, for me, I know, it's that, it, there's an old Stoic principle or there's something that along the lines of, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's like anxiety lives in the future and regret lives in the past. And all we have is the present moment to live our lives. And so I, I try to not be too anxious about the future because worrying about the future is what causes anxiety and so like but like it's like playing chess i can't help it i can see the moves on the board as they're they're happening like i can tell what the strategy is going to end up being and so like for me it's not necessarily that i'm anxious about the future i just know what the possibilities are and those possibilities aren't necessarily like what I want to happen, right? Those don't line up with my wants. So like I have to adjust what I want to match what's happening. And that's the hard part. Like that's where that mental toughness and that resilience that we've been talking about in past episodes and things like that comes into play is because, um, you know, as as this thing progresses and, and it changes our lives a little bit on a grand scale and on a small scale, we have a, 
the tendency to worry about those things in the future, worry about like, oh, this might happen or this might happen and this. And it's not for me, it's not like I'm just playing out random scenarios. I'm actually thinking about this could cause this to happen or this could be an outcome of this happening or this is going to be something that we're going to have to look at in the future. And so for me, it's more like an anticipation, like the premeditation of evils more than uh, just worrying needlessly about the future. It's more like an anticipation of just like what could happen and those possibilities becoming a reality and what I have to deal with or what we have to deal with as a, as the business owners and coaches. Um, so like there's some things on the table that, that like, what if USA weightlifting isn't the same after this anymore? And you know, what if we, we can't go to Vegas because there's no there's not going to be huge weightlifting tournaments held like that and it's all online qualifiers or like we still proceed with the sport but but it's changed in the fact that like all of our clients are remote clients now so like like what if that's a possibility and so like for me it's more of like chasing down what those realities would encompass and maybe tailoring our approaches to those those types of things because like what if things don't ever go back to normal we have to be prepared for that reality right yeah it's not it's not a, a, like just na- like catastrophizing i'm not catastrophizing saying oh this is the worst possible scenario but like this is a scenario and it could happen how do we deal with that so like i think for me that that's what it mostly stems from and i don't i don't necessarily like dwell on the future too much but i just realize that these possibilities are possible outcomes that it could happen and um, I think that as people train in their garages and they get um, more used to training in their garages like what's the the possibility that they're going to come back to a garage or, or like a training environment where you know they have multiple other people around like the like the way that Saturdays used to be right like at the gym's packed they're sharing platforms sharing barbells sharing plates like is that going to be a, a possibility ever again or is it going to be something that, that we used to do? Like we look back on Throwback Thursday, you know, posting on Instagram, just like, hey, you know, remember when Saturdays used to be lit and we used to have like 50 people in the in the in the gym at one point. But, you know, that's not the case anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there's definitely going to be a point that, you know, we reach herd immunity. But the question is you know, right. whether that, um, you know, when that comes and then just what what habits people change, because I think the, the biggest one that I kind of worry about is that, uh, you know, for, you know, the restaurant industry, where the restaurant industry know, yeah. like, is, you know, once people have spent months and months getting in the habit of just takeout all the time, is that going to cut down on the amount of, you know, in-person dining, you know, is, is, sure. is this the rise of takeout? Because like the, the only people that are, I mean, Amazon's now offering to deliver, uh, your groceries from Whole Foods for free. Oh, okay. So there's, you know, all of these kind of delivery services that are popping up and they're the ones that are really kind of making strides here. And I think that, you know, when all this is said and done, they're still probably going to be, you know, a more dominant thing than they have been in the past. Yeah, of course. It's going to change what, uh, you know, our whole, you know, (laughs) like restaurant, uh, like approach is going to be. And then, you know, I think, I think that people will always want to be able to get feedback in real time. And I don't think that, uh, you know, people are going to get, you know, hooked on the online system when you could have some in-person feedback. Yeah. But I think what, it, what we are seeing is that some people are having to adjust because if they're used to having their teammates around to push them on a heavy session, 
now it's kind of you know one other person in the whatever garage they're in maybe yeah and, maybe another person you know, if they're not training by themselves and and that i think is gonna is changing and challenging people to you know figure out okay well how do i stay motivated when i don't have a team supporting right. me in this yeah. endeavor and uh yeah, I think it's definitely presenting a challenge to our athletes, but they're still doing good. We've had uh, some people attempt some PRs uh, in their garages this week. Uh, Consuelo made some. Yeah. 180 kilo back squat double. Oh, that's fantastic. That's so yeah, that's really good. And, uh, you know, so people are still putting in good work and uh, we're trying to stay in touch with everybody as best we can. So uh, always keep in mind that we're, we're open for you guys. So. Uh, if you got a question about the at-home training program you're doing or want to see if something looks a little funny, feel free to, you know, hit us up. It definitely gives us uh, something to do um, while we're uh, yeah. dealing with... Uh, well, we're quarantined as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're all in the same boat. So, like, let's try to help each other out as much as we can. And, and I, I know we've reached out to our athletes and, and as much as we can, we'll we'll try to be there for them. Uh, whether they need equipment or they need coaching or feedback or, or things like that, you know, we've been trying to uh, stay in constant communication with them. Probably more Grayson than me. Uh, they always ask more more questions of Grayson than myself. But um, yeah, so like people are are still getting it done. They're still they're still putting in work. Uh, we we were at the end of a heavy training cycle. We were we were gearing up to have a competition April 11th, and that was going to be in Santa Fe at uh, the Miller Gym, and everybody was was peaking towards that competition so now we're hitting a heavy phase of training and people are trying to hit those lifts in their garage um, without that extra sense of coaching so like they're starting to have to make some adjustments and things like that but like they can still get feedback from us and they can still get um, some coaching and 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 some um, measure of progress you know even though they're training on their own a lot of the time or or maybe with one other person and what's great about our gym is that we have several athletes that have done their level one so um, they know what the guidelines are for like lifts and things like that. And they also know our philosophy too. They've been around us long enough to know that like what we look for and the things that we want to see out of a lift and uh, the little discrepancies that pop up the most often, I think that they're aware of. So they have a good idea of, of like when they're not doing something right and when they're, they're on the right track. And I think that the, the amount of athletes that we have do, do have their level one and do have some kind of formal training in weightlifting, um, they're helping each other out like out in the field. Like I know that Tyler has been working with Riley and, you know, they've been lifting in his garage and, and I watched some of Riley's lifts and, and they're looking pretty good. Like, like I, I think that probably Tyler's giving him some cues and stuff like that. And, and he can, he can do that because he's been lifting long enough. He's also got his level one and, you know, he's been, he's been a weightlifter for a long time and he's been around you and I a long time to know exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, if you are kind of separated from your coach and kind of relying on, video feedback or just kind of going through the workouts on your own, um, this is a good opportunity for you to really internalize uh, some of those technical adjustments because yeah. part of it is that, you know, especially when you're starting out, you want somebody there to give you feedback in real time and keep you accountable to what the technique is supposed to look like. Sure. But, you know, a part of athlete development is internalizing those cues. So knowing that what feels right and what feels wrong so using this time to kind of help kind of build your internal awareness of, oh, okay, that was forward. So that means my balance shifted here probably. And being able to kind of internalize some of the things that we work with people on and get them better able to self-identify errors might be a silver lining that comes out of all of this. Yeah, because of course. It's really important that, 
you know, you have a good coach who can tell you what to do, but it's also important that you're learning how to do those things on your own and how to identify those errors. Because when you make an error and the coach gives you a correction, it's not just for that day. That's something that when you feel that error happen again, you should be able to revisit that memory and say, okay, well, that felt like that time that I missed it forward. So this is where I need to make sure that my balance is adjusted or I need to make sure that my arms aren't too tense here. Right. So I think that it'll give people, um, you know, as, as, as a potential upside, um, the ability to kind of internalize and self-identify uh, corrections that need to be made. Um, well, let's talk about that some more. So let's talk about how um, we can develop kind of that awareness in athletes where it's just like, you know, um, we were talking a little bit before we started about some of the Chinese weightlifting methods. And one of the things that they have in their book is laying down and trying to figure out moving body parts, engaging a, um, a certain muscle group and uh, disengaging it and, and just being aware of that that movement in your body and uh, being in control of your body, right? So like we want to foster the ability of athletes to be more aware of their body and then have that awareness between them and the barbell as well. So like for some athletes, you can tell them the same thing over and over and over again. And it just doesn't like, they're not, they don't get it. And I don't know if that's because we're not explaining it right, or they're just not putting in, they don't care enough, right? Cause some athletes don't care enough. They don't, they don't care enough to say, well, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to make it better. Right? They just want to rely on an external source of cueing and correction all the time. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm being lazy. You know, but we don't say that. We don't say, like, don't lift like lazy. We just say be more aggressive. Right? So like that, the way that we're engaging with the athletes, we want them to foster that certain um, mindsets as well while they're training. But I think part of the time, sometimes athletes just rely too much on the coach to tell them what's going wrong and what's like, cause I like when an athlete tells me, Oh, that was a little bit forward. Wasn't it? And they know. So like, then I'll give them the correction. I'll just tell them, yeah, yeah. Just make sure you're staying a little bit more balanced in the feet on the way up. So then I don't have to tell them what went wrong. They already know what went wrong. They are just looking for what the correction is. And that's a better, like for me, that's a better interaction because I know that they're aware of what they did wrong. I don't have to tell them what they did wrong. I just have to tell them what to do better next time or what to fix. And so it's better next time. And so like, I want, I want that from all our athletes and the ones that constantly are just like, Oh, I don't know what went wrong. Or like, it, it just feels off. Like that's not helpful because that's like saying my car's making a funny noise. It's like, well, I mean, where's the noise coming from? Is it from the engine bay? Is it from the wheels? Like, is it in the back somewhere? It's like, well, I don't, I don't like that. Doesn't mean anything to me. Like, if something feels off, that's like a lights on in the dash. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? So like, yeah, so I, better being able to identify. Yeah. Okay, it's. I think there's a belt making a noise. Yeah, like it, it sounds like something's squeaking when I start the car, and it sounds like something's like okay. So let's, let's isolate some things, and and then that's what we do with lifting right so like they say well i was a little bit too far forward in my lift off the ground okay so make sure you're balanced off the ground from from the pole initially make sure your feet are set you got that good weight distribution and you're keeping the bar close but you can only give them that feedback if they know what's what's wrong right it's like saying you know i might have a flat tire but i'm not sure which one it is just like well did you even look did you check like so like that's that's what we want to do is create that awareness in our athletes where you know they understand that yeah, something did, didn't quite go well, but they're able to isolate it and we can help them isolate it further and give them the correction. So like, how do we ingrain in athletes that ability to kind of tell what their body is doing in space, right? Because sometimes like you, you get the idea of like, what do I do with my hands, right? When people are, are talking or something like, what do I do with my hands? Like, don't, 
don't worry about your hands just keep them relaxed like to the side but like how do you get people to become aware of what they're doing because like i remember um there was one lady from i think from the cdc she said you know don't touch your face and then she immediately licked her finger so she had like it was just the unconscious behavior right so like how do we get from unconscious behaviors to consciously doing them in weightlifting well you know i think uh you know that uh well first it requires you know a certain amount of buy-in of okay i'm going to be trying to do the you know i I assume that whenever we coach people that every time they do a rep they're trying to do it as hard as they can sure that's you know, one of the biggest, like, uh, it sounds like an oversimplification, but if you're having a hard time keeping the bar close in your turnover, make sure that you're actively trying to keep the bar close during your turnover. Uh, I think, I think that that's kind of like an easy, an easy first step that sure. sound sounds sarcastic when it, you tell someone. Yeah. That, it sounds a little like, condescending, like tiny it, bit, but, but, it, but <laughs> it really is, you know, how, how I approach trading is, you know, it's whether it's the bar or my working sets, it's, I'm, every rep I try to do is, is I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm trying um, my best. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the way that I really like people to get into the habit of it is I like to keep the explanations to the athlete really simple. So we always talk in reference to balance and smoothness, right? Mm-hmm. So we say, it's like, okay, well we need the balance to be here if you're too rigid, you're going to be choppy, so you have to be relaxed enough to move smooth. And uh, to kind of phrase things in terms of, uh, because it's all well and good to know, you know, what joint angles are going to produce force, right? It's, it, it's, fine, it's fine to know, but, you know, in the heat of the moment, telling an athlete, I need you to straighten your knees by 10 degrees. Uh, that doesn't mean a whole uh, lot, because it, how, how much is 10 degrees to an athlete? Exactly. Yeah. So, so trying to get them into the right position so that they can feel what that movement is supposed to be like, uh, I think is, you know, one of the main things is that, you know, if you frame everything as a reference to balance and feeling rather than forcing it to happen. So right. this was kind of a, an idea that I've had kind of floating around in my head and trying to kind of analyze how I approach things when I'm lifting. And, um, so I think there's a part of uh, a part of the brain uh, or a part of your mind that uh, I'll call like the doer. Right? The doer, yeah. Right, so, right. so the doer is your internal dialogue, right? So the doer is the one that reminds you that it's time to do laundry or where you left your keys or what you want to do later today. And the doer is the one that's kind of, well, sometimes interrupting you while you're lifting. When you hit mid-thigh and you're going, what am I going to eat for lunch today? <laughs> right. That's the doer intruding on your movement practice, right? Yeah. So I think that a lot of times um, what ends up happening is that people at their lighter weights aren't using the doer, right? They're just doing the movement. Sure. The movement happens, right? And if you can – and then when the weight gets heavier – suddenly the doer comes in and says, okay, you got to try extra hard. Right. right? So yeah. Yeah. That's the shift is that there's, um, you know, there's, uh, the way I want you to try to conceptualize this and we'll see if this makes any sense. Cause I haven't really had to say it out loud before, but if you're in your head and then trying to control, say, um, like your chest angle off the floor, right. There's always going to be a delay if you're in your head saying, tilt chest up, tilt chest up, tilt chest up. But if you can keep your chest up from your chest, not from your head. So kind of making it where, 
okay, well, I'm just aware of my chest position and I can feel this. Right. And then using the feeling of that as a way of being not trapped in your head, but trapped, but in your body. Right. Right. So being in your body while you're lifting, not in your head while you're lifting. And, you know, if you think about... Oh, that's a good way to put it. Remember that, folks. <laughs> Be in your body while you're lifting, not in your head while you're lifting. And I think that, you know, that... Because the doer is going to slow things down during the snatch, right? So if you're trying to be in the right position as you pass the knees and the internal dialogue is just, okay, stand up, stand up, hold this position, feel this bar at the knees, there's going to be that lag between when the thought happens and when the position is achieved. Right. But if you're in your body, there's no thinker, there's no thinking to be done. There's just executing the balance, executing the movement that you've practiced. Sure. And that's why doing a lot of repetitions is really important and why, you know, we usually have guys do a lot of high volume training uh, is because we want that to be ingrained to the point where you can just feel it. So during the learning phase, the doer is going to be involved. But as soon as you can, you want to try to get that part of you to just quiet down for whatever it is that you're working on. Yeah. And, um, you know, because if you think about any of the there's a lot of movements that you do all day, every day, whether that's, you know, walking or reaching and grabbing something out of your cabinets that the doer is not involved in. Right. So if I if I go to reach for my coffee, I'm not thinking, OK, first you got to get your shoulder tight and then you got to reach out with your hand and close your fingers and bring the coffee back to your center and find your mouth. Yeah. OK, there's there's not any of that going on. And what we want is when you develop your technique that how effortlessly you move your hand to pick something up should basically be how you're approaching your snatch, where it should be that there's no voice involved in telling you how to do it. Right. Because if you wait to be told what to do or wait to remember what you're supposed to do, it's too late. You're all of a sudden you've hung out for an extra two seconds at the top of your pole and now it's missed time. So it's going to crash on you or it's going to drift out. And if you can kind of shift your perspective from lifting from your head to lifting to, from your body, you can just kind of feel and be that movement. Because what you're, you know, it's it's that idea of being separate from your body is what we need to get over. Because if you're like, okay, well, I'm me up here in my head, and I'm a little guy with some... Ro- like yeah, <laughs> some little robot arms. And the little guy with the joystick... <clears throat> controls my legs and my elbows and I'm trying to hit all these buttons simultaneously that's actually an unnecessary step when you think about the majority of your movement patterns and learning to kind of try to quiet that voice down when it gets to be something you haven't done before or uh, a weight that you haven't done before and to just say okay well I'm just going to feel this right and you know rather than uh trying to send those control signals down from your joysticks, you're already aware of a lot more than just the voice in your head. So all the time you're aware of, you know, if you pay attention right now, you can feel what the bottoms of your feet feel like. If you pay attention, you can feel, you know, you can feel your hips sitting on your chair. You're so your awareness is all the way throughout your body. It's not located just up in your head. Right. Like if I can't see my hands and I'm not really thinking about it, I kind of know where they are in space sure. just on their own. So that means that the part of you that's doing the lifting isn't the part of you that's talking to you in your head. 
the part of you that's doing the lifting is like the awareness of where your body is in space. And that doesn't really require any thought that just requires feeling. Right. So if you can, you know, put yourself instead of saying, okay, I'm going to put my toes down and I'm going to put my heels down and then that's going to find my center. And then I'm going to straighten my knees from this position. And you're sending, you know, a kind of long string of messages down to your feet rather than just put your awareness in your feet. Say, oh, oh, here's, here are my feet. Here's the pressure. Here's what this feels like. And focusing on the sensations of lifting and the sensation of correct position rather than relying on uh, an intellectual breakdown right. of the, the position. And I think some people, some, some people seek that intellectual breakdown. Like they want to know, but it, not, it doesn't necessarily mean it's helpful for them to get it down. Or it's helpful, but in between training sessions. Right. Well, and that's the thing is just like, it's the, it goes back to like cutting out the middleman. The, the doer is the middleman. So like whenever you're learning a new skill, you need that to be able to conceptualize and kind of like ingrain new movement patterns and stuff like that. And usually at the beginning of a training cycle when we have complexes or we're breaking down technique in a specific way by using pauses or adding position work and things like that, we're implementing the doer so that you can figure out the bodily awareness that you need to have in a specific position. So what we do is like, let's say a snatch with a pause at the knee, right? We want people focusing on that midfoot balance getting the, the barbell past the knees and then pausing, make sure you're in a balanced position and you're in a strong position to finish the lift. But like eventually you don't need that pause anymore, right? You don't need that pause to check your balance. You should be moving past that. But like some people will still implement that pause in their lifts. I'll, I'll see it sometimes where it's like they're, they're hesitating. That little bit of choppiness to the lift is still there because they haven't moved past that doer. They're, they're, not, they're still thinking about it. And so I think that getting people to the point where they become automatic. It's like driving, right? If you if you drive a manual car and you have to shift at a certain RPM, eventually you just know you hear the RPM rev to that certain RPM limit and then you shift the, the car. You get It becomes automatic. Like you don't have to listen to it every time. You can just drive along and then all of a sudden like you hear it, boom, shift, and then you're on to the next gear. So like weightlifting's like that for me. So where um, initially you have to, try to get to that specific RPM and then find the shift, like shift the gear, you know, press the clutch and do all that stuff. And, and you're thinking about it. Yeah. And it's going to be clunky and choppy. It's not smooth. It's not fast. And then when you get better at it, it becomes automatic and it's, it's just a smooth transition. You know, it's, boom, I hit the right RPM shift clutch, boom shift. And then you're on to the next gear, like without even thinking about it. So like for me, weightlifting has to become like that. Initially there is that learning curve. There's that doer where you're thinking about what you need to do and trying to be in the right position and you're trying to get the movement correct. But then there comes a point, hopefully, where you get past that and you're just automatically doing it. You're cutting out the middleman and you're becoming more automatic in the movements and hopefully in the right movement pattern. And that's our job as coaches to try to get you on that path. But there has to be some involvement by the athlete to try to make those internal um, processes work for them, right? The, the internal process of, of feeling where a position, because eventually some, I, I see, I love when I see it click. It was like, oh, I know I was a little forward in that lift or I wasn't quite balanced or from the floor, I, I shifted a little bit too much forward in my toes. And that awareness for me is just like, oh yes, we're on the right track. We're getting, we're ingraining the right things in our athletes. And then, uh, you know, the ones that, that don't get it, just try to work with them a little more, maybe explain things a little differently, get them past that point. But like the point is to try to get people 
to where things are automatic and they're moving more smoothly, less clunky. And by cutting out that middleman doer, by creating awareness at the beginning of the training cycle, or even in the middle of it, like when you're making corrections, as you head into the the heavy singles and like the intensity phase of, of a training program, like you just want to make sure that people are thinking less and being more aware of their body. Yeah. And I think, um, so there's a couple of exercises that I think, uh, can be kind of helpful where like, so say, you know, you're warming up with the technical complex and maybe it's something you haven't really done before. So you're heavily bringing the doer in to remind you what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Um, then when you move into your next exercise, sometimes, and it, and it sounds kind of weird, but you can say, well, doer, you've been working really hard today. Right. Thank you for all the work that you've put in. But now I just need you to take a step back and just let this happen on its own. Sure. Um, because really when you do get into a good groove with your lifts, they so it sort of feels like they just happen. Right. Right. Yeah. You're just, you, you exercise that little bit of the intent. And then once you're set up and going, they're just going. Right. It's, it's on its way. They're already there. Yeah. Um, I like on the minute stuff for that reason. Oh yeah. 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 That, that really helps quiet the doer. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, like you mentioned with the choppiness of the shifting gears is you can see it, you know, if you watch people lift, you can notice as soon as it gets clunky, that was a thought that got in the way of the movement. Mm -hmm. And, um, so to try to detach from that, you can, you know, so some of the relaxation exercises uh, I've been reading in this book are, you know, so if you lay down and you focus on, okay, can I tense my lats? Check that the rest of the body's relaxed. Okay. Now tense the traps. Now set the breath. Like I'm going to do a lift, but can I set my breath without tensing anything else and working on, okay, well maybe how, how am I bracing? Because sometimes when we brace, people get stiff in their arms and shoulders, right? They take that big breath. And, oh, that's and then, right. And yeah. Then, but there's, there's extra tension involved. So doing exercises where you just lay down and try to set your breath, but relax everything else. So core is tight. Everything else is loose. Learning how to selectively relax things is a really important thing to do. And what I would say is to take that one step further is when you start doing these things of like, okay, well, I'm going to watch my breathing and then hold and brace and then let it out and then breathe in and hold and brace. And then shifting from using the doer to do that to trying to feel the breath from the abdomen. So instead of feeling the breath like you're watching it from up above your shoulders, see if you can use your awareness of your breathing to you can be aware of your breath from your abdomen, from your torso, right? You right. can feel that happening down there. So focusing on what that feels like more than the command that you're sending and let that become a little bit more intuitive that way. Right. So rather than, you know, trying to send little words down to your lats, try to really feel your lats from where your lats are. There's no extra relay that needs to happen because we're already aware of it. That right. happens automatically. Yeah. You know, those signals go to your brain and are processed and adding a sentence or two to them just kind of gets in the way of what you're supposed to be doing. So trying to kind of shift um, and see if you can, you know, imagine, right, that your local, like your sense of awareness is in whatever part of your body you're focused on. So if you're trying to work on your balance, Try to see if you can pretend that you're 
focusing from your feet, not from your head. Yeah. And that little, uh, you know, it's always going to, you know, usually, you know, we always feel like there's your processing in your head. But if you kind of do these little drills where you try to kind of shift, okay, well, I'm aware here and now I'm aware trying to pretend that you're aware from your feet so that the second anything happens, you notice. Right. Yeah. Rather than it having to go up and say, okay, well, what just happened there? Oh, it was this. And then send it back down to the feet. Try to just let the feet be aware of the feet and kind of let that doer take a back seat. And I think that, you know, through doing, you know, some relaxation drills or trying to be really cognizant in your warm up, and I haven't really figured out a way to formally, uh, you know, practice this kind of idea. Sure. Yeah. It's just something that's been kind of floating around. Um, but I think that there's something to be said for learning that there's awareness of your surroundings that doesn't have anything to do with the thing that remembers where you put your keys Sure. or like, you know, reminds you of like that thing that made you mad at work today. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's a, a field of awareness that, cause if you notice you can, so this, this is kind of a weird one, but if you're balanced in your feet, right. And you're in your start position and you're paying attention to your balance, you're also able to pay attention to paying attention. Yeah. There's there you can notice the doer, right? Right. You can say, oh, okay, well, I'm aware of the doer, right? It's this is the thing, it feels like it's behind my eyes and it's really focused on my breath or the pressure in my feet. Well, that thing itself is within a greater cloud of awareness, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise you wouldn't be aware of the sensation of thinking about it. Sure. So if you can take a step back and say, okay, well, instead of using focusing on this from the doer, I'm going to focus on this from the thing that it's aware of the doer. So like I'm taking a step back and into my body to, to feel the pressure of that movement or to feel the tension of that core setting. Yeah rather than um so first you have to focus on that position yeah and then you focus on the focusing and you take that step back and then all of a sudden you're not a homunculus piloting a ship but you're just your body sure and i think that you know it it sounds really weird but it's been pretty helpful in you know even my stretching routines is what a lot of times when I'm doing like a long, hard, arduous, you know, stretch session, the doer fights you. Oh yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. It says this sucks, man. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> this be is uncomfortable. This. Yeah, this, this is, is uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. But and and it and it keeps you from sinking into your stretch. But if you really just try to like put yourself in the muscle group that you're stretching, and relax it and dissociate the concerns the doer has over the pre- the pain in your hamstrings right. to being like, no, I mean, it's not like pain, pain. It's just this sensation. It's and then you're feeling your sensations from your hamstrings. Um, and then that allows you to relax a little bit further in when you can kind of, you know, quiet that yeah. voice of, do you really want to be doing this? This is like super uncomfortable. Yeah. And we're not talking about anything like metaphysical here. We're not, we're not 
talking about anything on any kind of spiritual level. We're just talking about your awareness of your own body. And like, I don't know if you've ever done yoga or if you've ever just stretched for a long period of time, but like, you'll know where the sensation of that stretch is in your body. And you'll be aware of it. Like you'll, you'll know whether it's uncomfortable or whether you feel that stretch or, you know, you can shift your body in a minute way and get a different aspect to the stretch. And you can change the angle of your, of your appendages and kind of get a different angle on the stretch too. So like, we're just talking about your ability to sense where your body is or what's happening in your body at any given point in time. So like, this isn't anything metaphysical, nothing spiritual. We're not talking about anything like, you know, you're, Where's your soul at or anything like that? We're just talking about like your own sense of your own awareness of your own body. And like you're, you're, you engage with yourself at multiple points in a day, like in multiple ways. But when you're talking about doing something athletic and physical and something that requires, you know, a lot of like inputs, um, you want to minimize that doer and try to just be aware of your whole body as it is. And then try to focus on the things specifically that you're working on, whether that's balance or a position or things like, or speed or things like that. So like, you you can separate that doer that that part of your brain that's wanting you to constantly fix something or change something or do something or not be uncomfortable and basically cut that thing out and just try to do that that thing that you're working on so like whether it's stretching or whether you're working on a position for weightlifting or holding a position or trying to activate something and relax it like you're just focusing on the bodily awareness your awareness of your own body more than anything yeah, and you know, it's uh, particularly helpful for me in, um, you know, because as I've been kind of working on flexibility, now I've got more range of motion available in the squat. So, you know, it would be like the difference between trying to hit full depth in a squat. If you watch a lot of people when they're beginning, they're like breaking and they're fighting and mm-hmm. there's this resistance and they're thinking, okay, lower your hips, lower your hips. Oh, it's weird, it's uncomfortable. But if you develop a feeling of what that bottom position feels like, and then you just say, go to that feeling, all of a sudden the hips just drop straight down because you've you've learned where that feeling is, right? Okay, well, this is what my hips feel like when I'm rock bottom. And instead of saying, okay, lower your hips, lower your hips, try to catch lower, try to catch lower, but it's just go to that feeling. What well, so that like, feeling? that Make that the target. That happens when people are going for like heavy single back squats where they like they don't hit full depth or sometimes they'll cut depth short because they don't want to get stuck in that bottom position. They don't think they can stand up out of it because they they haven't allowed themselves to be comfortable down in that bottom position in previous lifts. So like they're always constantly like shorting themselves on that on that depth. And I think that sometimes it's just a matter of like they don't have the body awareness to know that they can sit in that bottom position and then pop out of it, or they don't they don't feel comfortable getting to that position. Um, like they don't trust their body enough to to be able to power out of that position. So like, how do people overcome those types of of like problems where you know they'll squat full depth on any other rep until all of a sudden you start asking them to do heavy singles and then it starts to get a little iffy on the on the on the depth. Yeah, you know, I think that's. Um you know, I think, I think that's the doer's fault as well. Yeah. You know, cause, cause the, the doer is the one that's just like, are you sure you can stand this up? Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. So that's where, you know, our, our strategy that, you know, uh, we always talk about is we just pretend that there's no weight on the bar. Uh, right. You know, like I, I always, I always do that when I squat is I, I just pretend like, okay, well there's, there's no 70 kilos on the bar. There's no 115 kilos on the bar. Uh, you know, there's no weight. There's just snatch. There's mm-hmm. just squat. There's sure. just clean. 
and then sometimes that doesn't work out, but okay. Yeah, I know. And, I know what you're saying. But though, yeah. like, you know, so rather than thinking about the weight on the bar, focusing on the movement or focusing on the feeling. And then if you're good for it, you're good for it. And if not, you had a better attempt at it. Sure. And I think that, um, you know, being able to, you know, quiet that part of your brain that says, Ooh, this is heavy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, well, I mean, that's okay. But, the, but I think that, you of know, course it discomfort, is. <laughs> and this is why I think, um, you know, stretching is obviously good for improving range of motion and stuff, but I think it's also important for, um, building your ability to relax through discomfort because that fighting in the stretch versus mm-hmm. sinking right. and, and, and really there's like, Oh, this isn't dangerous. This is just sensation. Yeah. And these sensations are pulling or burning, but rather than freaking out about that, just trying to like get yourself into a pose that works on the range of motion that you need and say, so say that's like bottoming out your hips in a like dragon pose. Sure. Right. right. Like, Oh, okay. This is full depth and full depth feels like this. And even though that sensation's there, this is still okay. And I think that's why it's really important to, you know, if you are implementing like stretching practice, don't watch TV while you're doing it. Yeah. You know, like if you're, if you're stretching for 20 minutes, just stretch for 20 minutes and like try to breathe into the positions because breathing helps you get a little bit lower, but it also just kind of introduces you to, oh, I can be uncomfortable here and then, but I can also relax while being uncomfortable. Because the thing that you see the most, especially like, when people do rob mods for the first time or any sort of like long hold, they're just like sweating like, and tense. But somebody who's really good at yin yoga looks like they're about to fall asleep. Yeah, even if uh, they're really uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think that you know, it's the discomfort that hits the panic button. So if you can learn to consciously control your tension, of I'm going to get into this stretch, and then I'm going to try to relax. I'm going to try to fall asleep in this stretch helps you kind of uh, desensitize yourself to, oh, this is uncomfortable. And then maybe when you put that bar on your back and it's like, oh, this feels heavy, you're like, no, that's just sensation. That's just discomfort. Yeah. Discomfort's fine. That's kind of part of this. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. I think that, you know, you can kind of short circuit some of those things that keeps you, you know, trapped like you're trying to use a remote control because, I mean, our body's kind of unlimited in its capacity. When you learn some new stuff, like when you do a cartwheel or you see people do like these crazy physical endeavors, like they aren't trying to pilot that from the inside. The the person in, in the Olympics doing the gymnastics back handspring off the pommel horse kind of stuff, that person's not thinking, they're doing. Right, yeah. They're... And and I think that that's the that's that's where, you know, flow state kind of comes into this is, you know, when you are in that phase where you're just primarily, you know, just doing yeah, the thing rather pure than pure execution. Them. Exactly. Yeah. And that's and that's what I think everybody should be striving towards is, you know, that kind of automation where and I think that it does happen on its own for some people. I think that eventually some people just kinda of hit a point where they're just like, Oh, I just had a breakthrough. I was just I was I wasn't doing anything other than lifting. Right. I wasn't planning, I wasn't worrying, yeah. I wasn't like fretting about whether two more kilos would be too heavy, <laughs> right, but right. I was just there and I was lifting. And I think that does happen spontaneously. But I also think that it's something you can cultivate. Oh yeah, I agree with that for sure. And, you know, using stretching to learn how to relax certain muscle groups or, you know, 
just laying in bed trying to tense and relax in one area at a time or learning what it feels like to set your core but keep everything else relaxed because if we set the trunk for the squat but we also make the legs so rigid that the descent is slow mm. or off time it's going to feel a lot harder to stand up and that's one of the really uh i mean i love paradoxes and i love that weightlifting is so full of them it's all yeah it's got a lot because like you can't be too tight you have to learn how to relax you can't you can't be so rigid that that the bar swing because the bar will swing out yeah. you know you can't you can't execute a snatch while you're maximally tense so learning how to relax what needs to be relaxed and be tight where it is works a lot better when you're just operating by trying to put yourself into your body rather than leaving yourself in your head yeah and there's a lot of those dichotomies especially like for the snatch like being tense in some areas relaxed in others so you have to be relaxed but tense you have to be calm but ferocious in the execution so like there's other aspects of some of the lifts like being precise but also being aggressive and it's just like how do you balance those things out and it just comes with time it comes with with practice and like i think one thing that i'm kind of not looking forward to is if things get back to normal and people's technique just kind of degraded because of them being at their home gyms and then not executing things as well as they could have if they had a, a you know like a more present eye on them like i know that remote coaching and feedback and things like that kind of like sometimes you got to deal with it the best way you can and but, but that it just doesn't happen in real time. right and that real-time feedback is so vital because you can make instant corrections to something that's going wrong and um i think that when people lose that it, it might detract a little bit from their technique work so what i'm anticipating is that while some people might hit prs and things like that overall over time i think that their technique is going to degrade a little bit um just because like most people that work out in their garage, they can get they can get pretty good. I've seen some garage lifters get pretty good, but like a lot of time, those people will end up transitioning to a team or to a coach because they need extra help. And I, I've seen that happen with high level athletes, people that go to nationals and things like that, where they were working in the garage and now they're working with a coach, and then they're making it to these higher level competitions because they were able to fix some things that were going wrong before that they they weren't you know addressing. And so like I think that as a as we get back to if we get back to that gym training environment where things are, are happening in more real time environment, I think that we'll notice that some some of the technique is kind of degraded a little bit and, well, and gotten things have gotten a little bit like need some correction. Yeah, and I think that you know that that'll that'll be addressed by you know whenever whenever we're all allowed to come back, that that new cycle is just okay. Let's just get dialed back. Yeah, in again. let's get dialed let's get back used in. Used to training around other people yeah. again. Um, and I think that that'll that'll be really helpful. But maybe we you know we can you know I'm definitely going to keep dwelling on this problem and trying to create um, drills and stuff to kind of help you uh, feel that you know your awareness is everywhere in your body. Yeah. And, yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it it doesn't have to be centralized from like a control point. And um, you know uh, I heard a guy kind of mention you know something along these lines that was kind of interesting where. He was saying, you know, he was, uh, he heard somebody refer to, like, a quarterback as having eyes on the back of his head. And he was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if I could do that. Having yeah. eyes in the back of his head. Yeah, you know, it was, it was like, oh, man, he's got eyes in the back of his head. Like, he's oh. just, like, really aware. He's of aware. Him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I get what, it. what he said he did is he, he was like, okay, well, if you kind of, like, try to shift, like, your awareness to, like, the corners of your peripheral and then just try to hear the room behind you, 
you can kind of be aware of what's behind you without looking. Sure. And that's the sort of awareness that I'm talking about, where it's like, okay, well, if somebody's sneaking up on you, what would if you were trying to detect somebody sneaking up on you without looking behind you, you would be projecting your awareness backwards. Sure. Right? Yeah. And you'd be kind of listening and, you know, trying to feel any difference in the ground or... Air you know, pressure or yeah, movement. Any, yeah, anything, sense, any kind of right? sensation, yeah. Because you, you can get. tell when somebody's, like, staring at you at a <laughs> yeah. restaurant. You're just like, wow. You're like, like and you turn around like somebody's right looking. Yeah, exactly. So it's that sort of thing, right? So right. cultivating that sense of awareness where you're like, oh, okay, I'm aware of what's behind me too. It's not just limited to my visual field. Because when you're snatching, your visual field isn't helpful really at all. No, no. It Other than for balance, balance right? Right. Um, but you can snatch with a blindfold on. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and, you know, so that's the kind of awareness that we're talking about is it's, it's that who's sneaking up on me? Okay, well, if I can be aware back there, I can be aware of my feet from my feet. You know, yeah. like there's, so I think that, you know, trying to be really in tune with your body yeah. takes you know, practice. We're not talking about like a sixth sense either. This is something that you you, do, you can develop. Like, well, it's something that you do all the time. Yeah, right. You know, unconsciously when, for some, when, yeah, like, for some you reason. You know, because it's like, uh, you know, catching a ball that somebody threw at you. If you used math, you could calculate the parabola that that's going to follow and anticipate how far out it is if you know how fast it's going. But your brain just does that intuitively, and you stick your hand out and catch the ball. Yeah. And we're trying to get snatching to be that that reactive. Right, yeah. Where it's you just know what it feels like. You can base it off of your stimuli. You're like, okay, this feels here, and now I'm under, and now I'm up. And being able to do that without trying to give yourself a play-by-play of what's happening. You don't need to narrate it. It just happens. Right. And I think that that's, to me, like the epitome of technique is when things just kind of feel from your perspective, like they just happen. Yeah. I think to me, like the, the sensation of snatching is a lot like throwing a ball in the air and catching it behind your back because yeah. like you have to throw it up to a certain height over, up and over your back and then have your hand in just the right spot like be aware of how far away the ball might be from your body and then catch it at the right time. So this is like, to me, that's what the sensation of snatching is like, is like guiding it up the body, turning it up and over. I don't think about any of this stuff. Like it just happens like, and then placing it in the right spot over in that overhead position, locking out, pushing up against the bar. But all that stuff happens simultaneously. It's nothing that I think about. It's just like throwing the ball up and catching it behind my back. Yeah. I think that's a great analogy. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, if you're, trying to calculate exactly how high it went or, you know, how much force you produced or all of this stuff. It's, you know, in, in the moment, like that stuff's good to know. If you want to know how many meters per second your bar is moving, cool. Sure. That's great. And you can look at that and say, okay, well, this is on average about how fast the, you know, world records are being lifted. This is what's happening here. Sure. Cool. That's all great. But in the moment that you're doing it, none of that stuff actually really matters. You can conceptualize it later, but if you're worried about, you know, how many meters per second the bar is coming off of your hips, it's well, you're not a, you're not under the bar now. You're, right. you're doing math. Yeah, now you know? you're doing so math. There's, there's definitely like a certain amount of we want to try to get people to where the lifts become intuitive. Yeah, and of course. That's, and that's kind of what our you know teaching progression kind of centers around is just being able to feel the shift in your body weight and being able to kind of put yourself into the movement rather than trying to plan and execute. And I think that, you know, when you see people 
have, you know, mental hiccups or, you know, challenges lifting new weights or it's, it's always when the, the thought intrudes. Yeah. It's, it's something interrupts them and it changes the timing. Sure. Is, is like 90% of what I see when I see people have an error where they go up, they smoke a lift and then they go up and it's a little bit off and it looks like a lag most of the time. Mm. And to me, that's just like, I just identify that as that was, that was trying instead of doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's you trying to plan and trying to do the thing rather than just letting it happen sure. and trusting that your body knows where to go. And I think that, um, you know, that technique of saying, okay, doer, you did a great job of remembering where my keys were. You made sure that I like got my work done today. Sure, yeah. You helped me remember when it was time to do my homework and submit these things. But you can just take a break for the next hour, and I'm just going to be my body for the sure. next hour. And, you know, it takes practice to get that down, and I, I definitely don't have it all the time. Yeah, neither do I. It really I, helps yeah. me, uh, you know, trying to feel my technique rather than force my body to do it. Because your body isn't this thing that fights with you, right? Your body is you. Yeah, you, it's your body. Yeah, like yeah. that's like you, like the you is the whole thing, right? right? You're yeah. not just the voice in your head, right. you're the whole package. Right. And to snatch as a united organism versus somebody just like desperately trying to tug on the sails <laughs> yeah. to move the ship in the right, right direction, I think. Yeah. Uh, can go a long way towards actually, you know, getting your technique a lot better and then also maybe making you less, you know, stressed out or angry with yourself when something's not going your way. Yeah, you're not just the captain, you are the ship as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so be, so so lifting from the point of view of the ship yeah. versus the point of view of the captain. All right. Uh, I think that's that's a pretty good spot to end on. Like I think that kind of explains exactly what we're what we're kind of get get across is just like you know, you're you're not just the captain; you are the ship as well. Um, but I think that concludes today's podcast. Is there anything that you wanted to add, or just no, go over? Uh, you know, get in contact, guys. Let us know how things are going. Um, if you're on the team, you'll get your programs Monday morning, and uh, we'll keep on keeping on uh, doing the PVC pipe work. If you don't have any equipment access, mm-hmm. and uh, keeping on with the normal training, if you guys have the ability to do so. Yeah. So until next time, guys, happy lifting. All right, y'all. Take care.